0: Pack your bags with high quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365 day returns.
2: All right, guys, welcome to our podcast. What's the point? Avi Adut and Jessica Harrell are joining us from Carla Cafe. They're also engaged, so they're a tag team. <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: Jessica I
2: and I went to college together and have known each other forever. We actually rushed a sorority really late together and yes. just like would make fun of everything together, yes. which was a very bonding experience.
3: Lived in Gateway together.
2: Yes, so sterile. <laughs> so sterile. <laughs> very. I know. And Avi, you guys have been together a very long time because I remember meeting you, I think, during college.
3: hmm Right. So yeah, we've been together 11 years.
2: 11 years. And has it been two years now since Carla Cafe's inception?
3: Two and a half.
2: Two and a half years. Wow, that's how long COVID has been. Yes. So mm-hmm. they started Carla Cafe out of their house on Carla Ridge in Beverly Hills, right? Uh,
1: the first drops were... On Leslie Lane around the corner around from Carla the Ridge. Around the corner. Okay, yeah. But the recipes were all developed on Carla Ridge. Right. So.
2: so, and now it's blown up and become one of the best sandwich and my, definitely my favorite tuna sandwich and favorite tuna chopped salad in LA. And, I mean, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for you.
3: having us. What a warm welcome. So <laughs> for those
4: of, who don't know what Carla Cafe is, who aren't in LA and don't have the privilege to being able to order from you guys. Can you give us like a brief, like how it started quickly and then what it has evolved into today?
1: It was the height of the pandemic and I had been working on my tech startup for about five years at that point. And with everything slowed down in lockdown, kind of getting hit, With the reality that I was going to be 30 soon and being able to work on a startup without any financial viability yet, it wasn't something I could keep doing. But at the time I did really, I was so committed to the startup that I was just looking for a way to keep working on it. And I was having a conversation with my older brother and he was really pushing me to do something where I could start making money right away. And what I mean by right away is I was working on getting my broker's license really. Cause that's what I studied in college. And so I was already like taking courses to do that. And he's like, even that is going to take months before you could see any money. And I'm saying, find something you can make money. Now it was an interesting kind of constraint and so it, it pushed me to think, well, what could I do that can make some money now? And the first thing that came to my mind was actually these sandwiches. So the backstory of the sandwiches is that I was just, I'd make them for me and Jessica at home and I'd kind of wake up on like Saturday mornings looking for this like specific meal all the time. And over and over again, I'd wake up on Saturdays excited to go get something with Jessica and I'd realize what I was looking for didn't exist. And so really that garlic aioli chicken sandwich was really me trying to like dial in on, wait, what's this thing that I'm looking for constantly, but I can't find. So I started making the sandwich at home, the garlic aioli chicken sandwich. And whenever Jessica posted it, she would get like, the most traction she ever got on anything. Mm -hmm. So, like, she'd get DMs by people saying, what stuck out to me is they were saying, where can I buy that? So, they didn't even know. They couldn't tell it was a homemade sandwich. And they were, like, actually eager to figure out where can I go buy that. And so, my background in tech uh, and this idea of, like, you look for strong signals. So, when that would happen at the time that signal just clicked in the back of my head of that's really interesting. That's what, that's what signal of product market fit is supposed to look like. So that was always stored in the back of my head. So all of a sudden when I'm faced with what can I do to make money now, it's like, I actually, I have a pretty good idea that if I was to say, I'm going to sell sandwiches, I think we could sell like 30, <laughs> you know? So, so we decide to post like literally that th- like, as soon as I had that conversation with my brother let's say it was like a Monday or Tuesday and we make a decision that like that Thursday we're going to sell sandwiches out of the house so we post it on Instagram
4: okay just quick side note are you an influencer or something do you have a lot of followers she I had, had like, 500 followers
3: at the I time think maybe
1: 800
3: oh well, no I had like 550
1: either way but it's- I would <laughs> get crazy engagement
3: I would get like and like selfishly, right? Like I knew the sandwiches would get engagement. So I was like, oh, great. But I would get like probably 80 to 90 messages of, from people. 80 and I, to 90? Messages, which is like a crazy, like that's like 20% of my followers, basically. We
1: would be at like a random wedding, like two months, like after she posted it. And like her friend's mom would like come up to us and be like, where was that sandwich from?
2: I'm like, what are you talking about?
3: <laughs> yeah. The age range of interest was
2: wide also really funny because LA does have good sandwiches Yeah. Right? like but right yeah well also quick sidebar jessica is not an influencer maybe a little now but she is like the <laughs> wittiest person on instagram she's just like so quick-witted and yeah. everyone should throw her a follow so mm-hmm.
3: yeah i would say I that like that. i have like a connection Followers. to my to <laughs> like, but like i feel like i'm i'm like genuinely friends with all of them like, I don't think I, I don't think anybody, I probably have like messages with every, everybody. Well, maybe not at this point, but I would say that like, I use it more as like a personal diary as opposed to it being like aesthetics. Mm-hmm. No, that's good. Cause it shows you're
4: authentic and you're real right. and a lot of people are fake. So though backtrack <laughs> on this, <laughs> um, but obviously so you never thought this was going to like turn into a ghost kitchen model and you were going to kind of start pumping out or were you just like just going to sell sandwiches from my house
1: um so literally when i made the spreadsheet to just like figure out like how to i did my spreadsheet one for one was based on like prices at gelson's because that's what i was making when i'd make the sandwich at home i'd use like gelson supplies and when i was trying to figure out the profitability i was really doing it based on like 30 sandwiches well, when I was like, "Let me get really crazy and let me see like if something weird happens, like how much money could I make if I sell a hundred sandwiches like to me, that was like an unrealistic bar, <laughs> and like that was like the really let's get crazy number was a hundred, and we probably I think by like the seventh time we did it, we were already doing like two hundred fifty. Wow. Now,
4: okay. So this podcast is about fulfillment. And so we love hearing your story. And I think it's important for viewers to like hear your story at the beginning, but how did your fulfillment change when you started to post it and seeing how much it resonated with your friends and how many people were writing you on Instagram, Jess, and like all of that, like, did you feel like coming alive from... You were at a tech startup before. Did you feel any different inside of you, and like the emotions that came out from these two type of businesses, which probably are so different?
1: I would say, with both, uh, my personal way of seeking fulfillment was creating something people wanted. And so when it was with the app, that was still ultimately the desire. I wanted to create an app that would be a part of people's daily lives, and so was interesting i wasn't seeking to do it with food like I, I never thought that it would be through food and i don't think i particularly wanted that to be the case but when it started happening and i and i saw how much people loved it and how excited people were to have it and how grateful they were and it's very fulfilling to create something that people love you know so that part i'd say is very fulfilling.
4: Yeah, Jess. What do you think? Like, what what was your definition of fulfillment before this, and then how did this kind of kind of come alive when you started
3: it? So I think that before I kind of had this idea of fulfillment of because I worked or still do, but with my family's real estate company, and that's very intense, and you know there's kind of a lot on your shoulders, and you kind of think like, okay, well, you know, I was. I was in the mindset of like, oh, well, when I get this deal or when I get this, then I'll be happy. And it's interesting when we started Carla, it was more about like the whole journey of it was enjoyable. And so it like it was a very big perspective shift for me. And it wasn't more so about like, oh, well, when I get this, then I'll feel fulfilled. When I get this, then, you know, when I hit these like milestones, it's more about like, just feeling the fulfillment within the process and realizing just like how important that is. So I would say that it's made me more of like a rounded person in that regard. Whereas in the past, I think I was probably a psychopath. I don't know. (laughs) Well,
4: I wouldn't blame yourself at all because I think Jasmine and I are are similar to that too. I think it's honestly a society thing that we Mm -hmm. have kind of unknowingly subscribed to of this like you'll be fulfilled when, or like when I get this, when I get the job, when I get the husband, when I get the business, when I sell my company, then I'll be fulfilled. But I actually don't think that's something that we like knowingly have subscribed to. I think that's something inherent in our culture. And so the beautiful shift for you is that you can be like, okay, that's like old and that's not mine. Here's my new definition of fulfillment. And, you know, being present to enjoy this journey and everything that comes with it, the ups and the downs, and
3: that's what fulfills me. Right, because I think- We, like, as a society, we are told that when you have a certain level of, you know, whatever, then you should feel a certain way. And the reality is, is I think no matter what, you know, like, probably the first time that we did the Carla drop, it was like me, you, your mom, and your niece in the kitchen was probably one of the funnest days. It it was the most grueling, but one of the funnest days of our lives. And like, we had like friends at the end that stayed and like, they were watching like our phones like absolutely blow up and they were like, Oh my God. You know? And it was, I don't, I don't know. I I don't think that, I don't know. I don't know if Jeff Bezos has fun days like that anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not. Well, I
2: think it's really interesting that, so that's something I've been thinking a lot about is this idea of processes. Like I think, life is actually made up of just, it sounds cheesy, but like the journey. So Mm -hmm. it's like, we always are like, so destination driven. Cause it sounds like it wasn't like either of you were like, okay, if I sell a hundred sandwiches, I will be happy in this filled a quota. It was more just like, I personally had this craving for this sandwich. People need it. People want it. And people are curious about it. And Mm -hmm. like, if I can make people happy through that and like give that to the world, that's a fun thing. And like simultaneously, you know, making some cash. Yeah. Right. And I think like that's a really interesting shift because I think we're so focused. I mean, not just think. I know I have been. I think everyone is just focused on like everything external. Right. And it's like that's the best way to be unhappy mm-hmm. and just be super like prolonged, like delay your own joy. Right. I think that's, I mean, in general, what we've been speaking a lot about is like that playfulness of like being in the kitchen with your mom and niece and like, Mm -hmm. that's what's fun. And also, isn't that what life's about? Like when you look back at an older age, you're going to be like, those were the memories, not like I had this crazy real estate deal, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) like, right. So I think that's, what's like a really interesting and what we have found with honestly, most people. Have you always been a chef? No, no. You I don't, know, like, were I you wouldn't. always cooking at home? Like, what was, was this something you were
3: always... Jessica begs to differ from her <laughs> facial reactions. His mom will say that she would send him into the freezer when he was like four or five to sniff out the different herbs for Gorma <laughs> Classic. Versus uh, celery, the celery horish. Wow. <laughs> so okay. I think he's always been attuned into food and flavors and like I think you've always kind of enjoyed that I
1: think I've always I've been in tune with it and then my journey to like actually cooking it wasn't I never trained for it like I'd be doing it for a living you know yeah so it was just more it was like what we talked about I, I started doing it more out of where am I not being like I feel like my needs or wants with food aren't being met. And then I would. It just turned out that I was like really good <laughs> at like intuitively figuring out how to put things together, you know?
4: But it's so beautiful that you were able to create and merge your passion of of cooking, which again, was never supposed to be a business, but you clearly were passionate mm-hmm. about being in the kitchen, doing it for fun with a business that is now very successful.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, to go from working on an app for five years and you're going through the struggle of figuring out how to get people to use it which was really difficult like if you wanted to get into the tech part like of the amount of different things that get into it but then on top of that you're you're like fighting tooth and nail for users but they're not even paying you know what i mean (laughs) and then when all of a sudden it, it switches to you're working on something and i'm making sandwiches that like literally our biggest issue for the first year was like, we couldn't make sandwiches fast enough. I was figuring out like how to scale up. And so people wanted it and they wanted to pay me money for it. And then it, it was obviously just a different freeing feeling to be working on something that people wanted and you were getting money in return that helped that helps you continue to build things out. You know,
4: isn't it funny how like, we lean into the things that feel hard yet the things that feel easy, we're kind of like, we put away like Mm -hmm. exactly Mm -hmm. what you said. Like this felt like so easy compared to the app. You didn't have to like, try to get customers all the time who weren't even paying. You literally posted on your stories of 600 followers and people bought. Mm -hmm. Right. And so just like really like leaning into things that feel easeful. Like, I don't think life has to be hard if we just like follow like the flow and not resist against things. And so often we're trying to do the practical thing and the right thing based Mm -hmm. on society, which may be different for where we should be going based on our journey. Because that's the the easier path, but we think because it's easier, we shouldn't do that. We need to do the hard because that's what we need to do quote unquote for society. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: I I would say that that's true in terms of well that was true for what I'm working on now with Carla and with the startup. I was always really good at working on the parts that I liked that felt easy for me, you know. But the tech just It just posed different challenges.
2: Can you tell (laughs) us a little bit of the app?
1: Yeah, it was an anonymous social media platform. So it was kind of actually like before TikTok, our feed, it was kind of a TikTok style feed. So when you get onto the app, it's kind of like a for you page. So it shows you one piece of content at a time, the same way it does on TikTok rather than this like timeline. And you don't actually follow people it the algorithm shows you content based on what you're engaging with and then it's all anonymous and really that was meant to be freeing cuz i felt like social media and like twitter i think it gets too stressful if if you're on the wrong side of things within your particular bubble it's hard to be honest about your thoughts on different things it could even be as like simple as like like sports opinions or whatever but if you know that you're like in dissent with your friend group like there was just stress in social media so this was meant to be it was anonymous and then you could also vote anonymously and you'd see statistics on when everybody's free to be themselves and honest statistically where do people fall on different issues so You'd see that one piece of content, you'd read it, it would be someone's opinion on something. You would swipe up to agree or swipe down to disagree, and then you'd see statistics. And then it would just be the next post. So, yeah, that's so
4: working on that for five years, were you excited? And I'm also curious to hear how Jess thinks you were then in terms of your mindset and your mood versus now. So, maybe you can give like a quick, like, how are your like, emotions mindset then and then I want to hear from dress and I think it's great that you guys are are partners in life and they're engaged now guys um and (laughs) just like kind of seeing how as a couple you've grown but also how individually you've grown
1: so I would say like it was painful so like I was driven by passion and and love but there was the duality of there was a lot of Pain working on it because I had to I was using other people's money and I wasn't able to get it to take off and so I think towards the end it was a lot of pain it was a lot of built-up pain uh, but also like I wasn't ready or willing to let it go so if it wasn't for having a conversation with my brother that felt that had constraints like I said of what can you do to make money now but it was also freeing in terms of there was no expectation that whatever I did I had to stop working on my startup it allowed me to just try something else and so then yeah when when this was something that I Carla Cafe I'd never had to put a single dollar into because when we posted the first drop people Venmo'd us prepaid for their sandwiches so I actually and then I used that money to go grocery shopping and then it was profitable since the first day so that shift of of going from that pain of spending money and other people's money and not getting it to work, and then shifting to having something that's profitable from day one that I didn't have to put any money into that uh, took off a big burden, you know.
4: Yeah, but it's again going back to like something that feels
3: painful to easeful,
4: yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Jess,
3: let's hear it. There was definitely a shift at that time, obviously you know i would say painful is very accurate like you could see it just you know day to day just like that stress and i would say now that stress is still there but i think it's because you're now like a perf- i mean i think with the sandwiches you're a perfectionist and you're like analyze and like anytime somebody posts a photo he's like zooming in he's like that's that piece of chicken is Cut too thick, you know, and he's like <laughs> on the phone or like calling his guys, and it's like I need the chicken sliced thinner. Like I had the tuna today, and there wasn't enough lime. I could tell, you know. So I would say that the level of stress is definitely still there, but it's shifted from like painful to like passion, if that makes sense. Like perfectionism.
4: And given his shift, do you feel that there was a change in your relationship too? Because oh he was- yeah,
3: yeah, definitely. I mean, because we were we weren't engaged yet when Carla started and we were also locked down in a home together. And so like when all that was happening, it was it was a lot that was happening at once. And I think that when when we started like the first sandwich drop, it was kind of like this like almost freeing experience because we didn't have any expectations of it. You know what I mean? So it felt like almost this like fun hobby for us to do because in both of our work lives at the time, it was extremely stressful because he was trying to figure out what to do with Truy. And in real estate, everything was shut down. So I couldn't work either. So it was like, okay, well, it, it almost felt like this like fun moment at the time.
1: The, the reality was like, as painful as it was for me, it was more stressful for Jessica because I wasn't going to like propose with... My parents' money, and I <laughs> and I wasn't making money, and
3: yeah, that was like the, one of my stipulations. The,
1: the, and the the thing is, me and Jessica are very different. So, so I could i I live a little bit more in the clouds, so where Jessica's more practical. So, I wasn't willing to like really willing to stop working on something that I loved or was passionate about in order to like make a living it wasn't really like a compromise that i was gonna make i i think the reality was like we didn't really see a way out of it (laughs) like the fact that carla cafe worked out was like pure like magic and Mm -hmm. like god i think because i i don't know i didn't see a way out of it because as i was working on real estate courses as a means to okay i could figure out how to make money doing that, but. It also felt like it was going to kill me inside. So, like Mm -hmm. every day as I was studying, like studying for it, it, that is more like what you're talking about of like working on something that's not easy. Like, if I had to make the shift to like real estate and selling things that I didn't create and like, and just had to figure out how to make a margin on something or take commission on something, that is something that. Would have never felt easy for me. Like that would have been grating to my soul. And so there was this like great stress of like, how am I gonna practically move us in a direction where we can move forward without me sacrificing my, myself and my soul? And then so the fact that Carla Cafe happened and somehow both things aligned was like pure magic.
2: So I feel like something that I've been thinking a lot about this right now because I'm a little bit in a crossroads in my career and I'm like, I almost feel sometimes guilty and like spoiled that I'm like, what do I think I'm above taking real estate classes? Like, do I, like some people just have to get out there and do that? You know, like that's Mm -hmm. like, there's like that side of me, but then there's the other side of me that's like, does the world really need another Mm -hmm. real estate broker? (laughs) Like, I don't think so. And like, we all come this earth with different skills and different desires and passions and it's sort of like I feel like in your situation and correct me if I'm wrong it kind of feels like a happy accident like the star it like aligned you know the stars aligned it Mm -hmm. was like COVID and the sandwiches and the conversation with your brother and all these things and Jessica's 500 (laughs) followers but like there is a little bit of like and maybe that's a part of it right we talked about this earlier Annabelle and I and with you guys briefly about surrender but like it feels like you were almost like pushed into a corner and then you were like, well, sandwiches, right? This is Mm -hmm. like easy and makes sense and it's a, it's a fit, but I'm definitely in a place right now where I feel a little like, I don't want to sell my soul to do anything. I also know that I am lucky enough that I don't have to like do that, you know, per se, because it sounds like you didn't have to do a ton of soul searching to come to sandwiches.
1: No, it was just like a, Again, it was just that thing in the back of my head, like that remembering that signal, right? And then it was just being posed with that constraint of like my older brother, who's like an authority in my life, right? In a way, telling me like you need to do something that's going to make money now,
2: right? And (laughs) And and it was this weird,
1: it was this weird thing. But there was other things that had to happen for that to line up. One is COVID. Like Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, people coming to a house in the middle of the day to pick up sandwiches. Does not happen. <laughs> it doesn't happen without lockdown. Right. So then you have to remember like things like this that aren't in your control. The other thing was my parents' house on Carla Ridge completely flooded. And that's why because I was living with my parents. I wasn't making money. So that's what sent us to Leslie Lane. And Carla Cafe, I I, I don't want to get into the details, but it would have I would have never done it out of my parents' house. It was only that. Two tragedies of like my parents' house completely flooding and COVID mm-hmm. that like somehow created an opportunity, the opportunity for that to happen.
4: Yeah. And you know, it's funny now that I think of it. So, my business actually shut down during COVID, like completely. It's in the travel space airport. So, like, we launched and then we shut down. And it's so amazing to see like how you also. Like it could be hard for some during COVID. I mean, we're we're good now, but all that. But it also like you started, you had an opportunity during COVID and a lot of amazing businesses were founded during COVID because you guys seized on an opportunity. And like you said, people wouldn't randomly show up to like uh, your house to pick up food, but you saw that because of quarantine, people may, and you seized on
3: that opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there was no good food during COVID. A lot of places yeah, were, shut, were down, shut down. And people, it was the highlight of their day.
1: But back to, what, like, Jasmine, what you were getting at in terms of, like, I think what you're talking about is, is that same painful crossroads that I'm talking about. It is, like, it's painful because you're, again, you're trying to figure out that practicality and that self-judgment and potential judgment of, like, people outside that you might feel and feeling like you have a responsibility to do certain things that you might not like, but at the same time, you're like, you don't feel like those are things you should compromise, <laughs> right? Like,
2: Totally. And I think that a big part of that is, like in an ideal world, we'd be, you know, we'd have school curriculums where it's like, well, you're not that good at math, but you're a really good person artist. So let's like foster putting you in that situation, right? And encouraging, like, I think about this all the time in terms of like having kids. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I want to focus on my kids' strengths. Like, of course you want to be a well-rounded human, but ultimately like, I don't think I need to know the, I don't even know how to say, but I was going to say something in algebra, you know, Mm -hmm. like, I don't think I need to know that if that's not really the industry I'm going into. And, And you end up having to relearn that stuff later if you're, you know, opening a hospitality yeah, right. business, you're, you're like, I have to figure out the numbers anyway. And like, I think this is like, you know, it's such a cool, it's like fascinating to me that that's like, it was like, Oh, sandwiches. Right. And maybe just like, you could speak to this. Maybe you're like in your mind and speaking to Avi's mom. It's like, no, this has always been something in your, this has like been bubbling at the surface. Like you've been interested in food and like had, you know, an, like a taste for food and like that culinary touch. Mm -hmm. So it might not be so out of left field, but it is funny how it's like, I feel like we'd actually be in a much better society if everyone was doing things that they loved and weren't compromising. I, I
1: think actually not only is it not being like nurtured, like what you're saying, I think like for the most part it gets beaten out of people. I think people lose touch with like, I think most people, by the time they get out of school or whatever, like societal pressures they go through, I don't, I think most people come out of it losing touch. They don't even know what their core aligns with. I think that's actually a part of what school is designed to do. It's mm-hmm. actually like, it's a, it's actually supposed to kind of make you turn into someone that could be like a good employee.
0: Yeah.
1: plushcare.com slash weight loss so what
4: i think about school too and i think about this a lot i think in school they teach you what to think and they don't think they don't teach you how to think Mm -hmm. right and if we were taught in school like how to think creatively okay covid hits like everything's locked down like what can i create okay Mm -hmm. i'm gonna make sandwiches instead of like Oh, I did, what I learned in school is math and the uh, power of whatever and like geography. And like, how is that? It's just telling me what to think. So, as you said, Avi, like coming out of school, we're now, we have a whole new foundation in our head and we've lost the magic and playfulness of what inspired us and made us really happy growing up. And now we're like totally with all this information that like we need to be a lawyer, we need to be a banker, we need to be a business person, whatever. Mm-hmm. But, how about all the sparks inside of us? They were just like kind of killed overnight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, Jess, I want to I wanna get back to you because I think it's really interesting to see your partner go through shifts. And I think what you guys have been together, like 11 years, you really know him well enough to like, pick up on certain things that he may not be aware of mm-hmm. um and in his actions. So I want to hear about mm-hmm. that. But I also want to hear like your fulfillment and how that changed from going from like real estate stressful job to now working with your fiance on a company that you're
3: both passionate about and that's tremendously successful. That can be stressful too. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um I mean in terms of like little shifts that I notice, I think that Avi operates best when he has like true freedom of action. And I think that when he's like now he's able to be like financially independent and I think he really can just more so be himself and lean into being himself now. And so I think that that obviously I think has tremendously been an improvement just like for himself, but also our relationship, too, because he doesn't feel like he needs to meet certain standards or, you know, I think he's, especially when it came to school, I think he's kind of always felt like the odd guy out because he's he has dyslexia. So I, I don't think school, like, ever really came easy to him. So I think now he has, like, just a newer found confidence in terms of what he's doing and he's finding things, like, you know, he's, fa- he's created his own path in kind of an industry within food. So that's been obviously an incredible shift to see. I don't know. I think like in terms of who he is, like I think he's always been introverted. I think he's always been like a listener. I think that, you know, his alter ego is very much so like, almost like a relationship therapist. (laughs) And so I think that um, like all of those like core have like remained the same. And I think that that's, I think that's always been like what I've admired about him through this because it's like he's built this incredible business that's extremely popular. And, you know, I think he still gets shocked when people recognize him.
4: (laughs) So was it assumed that you would come on board? Like, how did you decide like, okay, he's the chef, he's making the sandwiches. And then when did you?
3: So... Uh, I mean, I, I was—we were quarantined together, right? And it was just like kind of us too. So we just kind of had to do what we could with the amount of capacity that we had, you know. And I think that I kind of naturally was a like Carla Cafe. The voice of Carla Cafe is like a little bit feminine, so I think I always kind of took on like fostering that community and that voice, which I really like, and so. You know, now we have, like, a corporate employee. We have, like, obviously our team, our staff on hand is, like, there's, like, still our three cooks or four cooks. And then we have, like, our front of house people. But in terms of, like, my role there, it's shifted because there's there's needed to be, like, different shifts for that. And I think I kind of just, like, am the, like, move with that flow. So, like, right now I think where my energy is best is, like, looking at our expansion plan. And like thinking about different locations and stuff and,
1: you know, which, well, I would say I, I always like would turn back and kind of like rely on Jessica with my startup too. like when I was working on truly the, I think the difference was because of the way Carla took off. There was just a lot more I actually needed her to do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? that's true. Because she had to yeah. fill, she had to fill gaps. Mm-hmm. So like we we've, we've We've both had to like move around and almost do every position. I mean, I was making the sandwiches in the beginning and mm-hmm. Jessica used to be like one of the main touch points of when people would, like random people were showing up and picking up sandwiches, they'd be meeting Jessica in the process. Mm-hmm. And I think that added, I think people fell in love with us and felt an affinity towards us. And at least a part of that was that touch point with Jessica too. hundred
4: percent. I mean, nowadays you can't build a successful brand without this experience, like personalization experience, like making people feel part of a community. So I think that is, I know your sandwiches are great, but like Jessica's community aspect and the experience that she made people feel and the bags, like everything like that, like I think it really helps the brand. Like, I don't think you can have amazing sandwiches and have it take off if the experience of getting the sandwich and how you feel when you eat it and being taken care of and the personalization and the brand voice and all Mm -hmm. that, if that isn't like exciting and top notch, then you just have a sandwich.
1: Yeah. Well, that was the other cool thing about like creating this in COVID is because the way I am is I don't really like, I don't really care about conventions of how things are done. And so COVID allowed me to figure out, okay, in, in this state of the world, how can we create a system for selling sandwiches and picking up sandwiches that makes sense in like that world we were living in, in the moment. And it was something that I got to just like create from scratch, you know? And so there was no convention of like a restaurant or anything that I had to follow. I literally just like created my own, <laughs> you know? And yeah. that was, that was fun.
2: And, and I, now that I think about it, I guess because we were locked down, that was probably like the few human interactions outside of your pod mm-hmm. that you were having. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Right, like I remember being at our friend Sienna's house one time, like socially distant, and then being like, "Okay, we're gonna go pick up our Carla." Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like such a funny time, but I guess that is like that was a like very the
1: event for the day. Totally. Yeah
2: on a more personal level, like about your guys' relationship and how it's, I guess, shifted through now working together, do you feel like this has added an element of playfulness that you get to like do this? Or is that like maybe at the beginning and now it's more of a business and it's some days? Because it sounds like you guys are like still having fun ultimately, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah. It's still very fun for us. I think that I'm somebody that's still like is very structured So I think of like, there's still like business hours and like obvious unconventional. And so like, it'll be like 11 o'clock at night and he'll just like bring up whatever, you know, like I think that they were adding too much avocado today. And I'm like, okay, that's really great. It's 11 o'clock at night. So I think that like learning that balance of like, like, laying in bed and watching a TV show or whatever. It's like boundaries. It is, is like (laughs) creating boundaries. And I'm like, I have like the conventional boundaries and he doesn't. So like learning that is been, has been like more so like just getting that stress out because that caused, like for him, it's like fun for him to talk about, you know, and which makes sense. But I'm like, okay, great. But this isn't work hours right now. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so I think that, Still making it be playful for me looks like it having boundaries in terms of when it's, yeah, and and having like a a true balance. So we just implemented like, yeah, like Sundays are now our Shabbat where we don't talk about work starting like sundown on Saturday to sundown (laughs) on Sunday. We don't talk about work. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I actually, I don't on Saturday night to Sunday night, I don't allow myself to think about work. It's been good because you kind of, it actually helps go into like Monday with like more vigor. Cause like, cause I realized like I'm, even though like I, the way that I was thinking about work all the time, maybe it wasn't productive. And so I think like actually having some of that structure of like focusing on it when you could actually do things about it, it was like important.
4: Yeah. And I also think in life, like when you're so go, go, go and you're constantly doing, when you don't take time for yourself and to have stillness and to just like be – You end up by operating as a robot and like what your society has conditioned you to be or what you think you need to be. And sometimes when you really take that moment, as you said, like Saturday night, Sunday night to just be with each other, with yourselves, to like focus on personal growth, catch up with your friends, Mm -hmm. you get a lot of like the inspiration and the spark Mm -hmm. and ideas and how do I want to grow and all of that. But when you're so in the weeds of everything and you're constantly doing, it's very hard to zoom out. You
1: need to take that beat you do because you're right because if you if you're just caught up in the cycle of stress you you sometimes need those breaks to get that spark of
3: inspiration so yeah it it allows us to have like more of a bird's eye view for the week right you know as opposed to like you know otherwise you just feel like you're in the weeds of it and it's like no 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 we need to have like go into the week with like like more of like a clear perspective on it i think that's it's really helped
1: but as someone that's like unconventional it's fun to like kind of figure out, well, what are some of those conventional things that actually did have value? And so to like look back on like doing my own version of what a Sabbath should look like, you know, (laughs) but it's like, you know, it's like that convention was always there, but I think maybe some of what it, it should be got lost over time. But then like figuring out your own way to like make a twist on like conventions to like
4: Yeah, and making your own rules, like your own set of rules that works for you guys. Like we shouldn't be buying into rules that like are apparent in society if they don't work for you is to create your own, like that's where the magic is. So for both of you, I know, Jessica, you're much more like, you know, conventional, practical. And as you said, Avi, you're more in the clouds. Were you always like this, like in college when you first started dating? Was this always like a true characteristic point for both of you? (laughs) Yes, yeah.
1: We met at, at USC or like our relationship kind of started because of USC, we were both in the same program. But you could look at like the two paths we took to get there. And so where Jessica was like, planning on it and working on it since like high school but then when that didn't work out then she was in college at san diego state and then like figuring out and all she she's just like probably stressed out everyday thing about how do i get to usc meanwhile if you look at my path it was like i was already like okay like high school i'm just gonna get by and i'm not even gonna try to get into college because i'm just gonna go to smc <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then i went to smc And then I kind of even like half-assed my way through that. And then I literally only applied to USC and NYU. And then I kind of just like got in. (laughs) It didn't really, it didn't make sense that I got in. But we took such two, like I was lucky to get in and I barely like worked to get in. And like, meanwhile, she took this like really structured
3: route to get there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh my god, my life was over when I didn't get into USC my senior year, and I got my rejection letter. Oh my god, I was like, my whole neighborhood heard me screaming, crying, (laughs) and then I was like, okay, then I'm I'm going to like create a plan, and I like knew I wanted to like do the real estate school at USC, and so I just like I created a plan to like get there, and I did, and like when Avi and I met, and we were kind of talking about school and whatever. And he was like, yeah, you know, I made a I made a deal one time with one of my teachers. And I was like, what do you mean you made a deal with one of your teachers? He's like, yeah, you know, I, I hated doing homework. So I told him, I made a deal with him that if I ace all my tests without doing homework, he'll pass me in the class. And I was like, what? Like, you can't like barter with your teachers. Like, you follow the syllabus. What are you saying? He's like, no, 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 no. I made a deal with him. And he was like, I went to class every day and I listened. I didn't do any homework and I passed all the tests. So he had to pass me. I, was I like, got okay. an
1: A on all the tests. No, he actually agreed to give me an A in the class if I ace every test. Because wow. he was convinced that like the homework was to like get A's on the test. So I was like, oh I just, I can't do homework, but I'll get an A on the test. So, wow. Yeah.
4: So Jessica, when you first started dating, did that ever, was that ever hard for you? That characteristic of Avi <laughs> sure. when you're of so course. structured and he's working on this, like startup for five years, it's making no money. Like, how mm-hmm. did you feel? Like, and I'm sure that affected like your life
3: fulfillment and your like happiness mm-hmm. and your like Well, I structure. understood that he was always like passion based. And like how he just dis- like how he talks about like in school, like your passions are like kind of being out of you in a certain sense. Like I always really respected it because I was like, how do you just like wake up so free willy nilly every day? You know, so I always like I always really admired it because I was like, if only I could like lose a little bit of my like structure to like think that way. You know, so I always really admired it. And I always understood that that was like very mission driven for him. Whereas like my real estate path, it made sense because my it was like I was going to go work for my family business, you know, so it was just kind of like something that I always thought that I would do and that I enjoyed and like I saw my grandma do it and my dad do it and like I really enjoyed it. But like for Avi, he never like saw Any like he never had an example of like what he wanted to do. And I think because he didn't like school and he had dyslexia, he never really adhered to like his passions being like beaten out of him. Right. Cause he He, was not listening to that. Because he was not yeah, he was like not listening to those norms or like abiding by those norms.
4: And for you though, like now, like you're saying you're so structured and so practical and everything is like kind of like planned, like very much like me, type A. But now like, you know, you're running Carla Cafe and you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And it it is still like a startup, right? And so how did you go from this like very structured, like, you know, I know what's going to happen next type thing, like salary type thing Mm -hmm. versus like a true startup where you don't know what's happening next. And it's very unconventional. And you're actually leaning towards your partner, Avi's like, you know, bread and butter, which is the unconventional and like all the things just like happening
3: versus... What you typically are used to. So a lot of anxiety attacks. (laughs) Um, But no, I think I've, I think like I attempt to surrender myself a bit. I think I also, like I understand how Carla came to be and it came with like a lack of expectation and like kind of that freedom. So I try to like keep that into perspective. And I think that's like, that's important. And then I also, like, I try to have, like, moments of structure within my day to, like, keep me grounded. I'm, like, pretty, I'm, like, pretty adamant of, like, like, get up, like, make the bed and, like, vigorously go on my walk, (laughs) you
1: know, to, like, kind of, like. Yeah, she still finds her pockets of structure within
3: it. Yeah.
2: I guess, well, my question, and this is kind of what you mentioned earlier, Avi, about self-judgment, because I feel like that's a huge blocker of creativity, right? It's like judgment. Like the minute you start judging yourself, you're like I can't do this, mm-hmm. right? Even with this podcast, we were like both at a crossroads and we were like what are we doing with our lives? We have everything but we don't feel like we're doing anything in mm-hmm. the world and whatever. And I think a lot of people come up against that. And we wanted to create this podcast and at first we were like you it's vulnerable to start anything, you know? Like mm-hmm. doesn't matter what it is, a, a tech startup, Food. It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter what it is. It's vulnerable, even to post like I'm a broker now. Like Mm -hmm. all of that's very Mm -hmm. vulnerable, especially given that we're in like a very public time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like Mm -hmm. everyone's posting what they're doing, and that is a way to be successful. Mm -hmm. I guess what I want to know is like like coming off of what you were just saying. Do you think COVID for both of you helped be like? Well, there's no expectations, so there's really nothing to lose, and then. Second, like today, now that you're working on this and it's not this structured path, is it like, did you feel like you have to kind of let go of some of your expectations of like, this isn't what I pictured for myself, but it's actually much better? Because it takes a level of vulnerability to be like, I'm going to start selling sandwiches and I'm going to make it home.
3: Yeah, that I think like it being in COVID definitely helped because I think that like first post that we made and we each put on our pages, we were like, You know, I think a thought definitely crossed my mind of like, oh my God, like people were following me like, what the, like, what the fuck is she doing? (laughs) You know, like what? So normal. You know, and, and I just kind of had like a moment of clarity and I was just kind of like, whatever, like, this is fun. You Mm -hmm. know, we're going to have fun with it. And yeah. It
1: was easier because we were aware of the insane feedback we were getting from like the first time. You had some validation. Like, Mm -hmm. Like beyond. So like. Yeah, ultimately we understood we were selling sandwiches, like how prestigious is that? Mm -hmm. But like, ultimately, like when we knew that like, when we're posting about selling 200 sandwiches the next day and we're selling out in a minute and we know that like people are like fighting to get something we're creating, like ultimately, like we just focus on that part, you know? Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, focus on like the outside, like the validation from, you know. Yeah.
3: I think that we we get like, because we are in such like a public arena and we know who like likes our posts or who comments and who gives support and whatever. I think that we always just, I think it was one, it was a lot easier because we had each other. And so like we could always have like honest conversations. we were always there for each other, but also like just keeping that perspective of like big picture of like, okay, well maybe like, some friends aren't supportive of it or I could tell that they like can think one way or another, but that's great. We just sold out 200 sandwiches within three minutes. So like, I don't know jokes on them, I guess, you know? So like kind of having that perspective, but I will say it was definitely easier having each other.
1: Every friend did eventually come around. But we remember which ones took longer to. Yeah.
4: <laughs> but isn't that isn't that why that we can we can't rely on external validation to no, make us happy, right? So mm-hmm. again, it, it comes from internal validation, and we talk about this with like influencers or people who are in a spotlight a lot, and it's similar for your business too. Just because someone doesn't like you or you got a hate message or whatever you or you may get like a million likes on your post or whatever it is, like that can't sway you like to your highs and lows. You need to find this like place within you that is calm and balanced. And no matter what happens in the social eye, the external validation does not change how fulfilled you are internally. Completely
1: agree. That's hard. It's hard, but it's like,
4: it's the only way to do it. I
1: still don't, I I still don't do it like perfectly, you know, right? it's a
3: work in progress.
1: Yeah. It's like,
3: it is, it's really hard. It's really hard to like maintain that perspective. Right. And like, I don't know. I think just, I think it's easy to go back into the, like, just feeling like the self judgment or like, what are people going to think? You know, I think it's, it's, it's difficult. This
2: kind of perfectly segues into one or two last questions. Okay. The first is, so like the purpose of this podcast is we're kind of trying to debunk what, social media teaches us right like we're trying to be like everything it's like all about you know showing off what you have everything looks great on paper but like not to we don't want to show you know that everything's bad but just like that you still go through stuff yeah Mm -hmm. exactly so if you can think of any like I feel like you guys just mentioned one but the fallacy any fallacies or anything that you want to debunk that you're like this is what it looks like but it's actually not like this. Mm. Fallacies of starting your own business, working with your partner, like any, honestly, anything. I think
3: the fallacy of I don't know how how else to put it, but you know how people constantly posting like how busy they are. Oh my God, mm-hmm. yes, this is and it, and hustle culture, yes, so and it's bad. like it's hu- yes the hustle, so and I gross. and I hate even saying the word like it makes me it's so, so feel so cringe like the hustle culture, but. the The reality is, is like days can be very mundane. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I think that it takes a lot of energy for people to constantly act like they're doing (laughs) really insane shit with their business like all day long, you know? And I think that that like the amount of energy that it spends to like try to make that a perspective and post about it I think is like is crazy
4: yeah to glorify like productivity like you have to be so productive all the time right when we just talked about that on like Saturday nights to Sunday you have time with no work and you come up with so much inspiration and you know vision for your company yes
3: yes
2: also the irony being is like I don't envy anyone who is so busy or like working really hard. I envy the person who's working smart and playfully on things they love. Yes. Mm -hmm. And of course, like, I think that's a huge thing that we always need to think about is like not every day is going to be playful and beautiful and creative, which I think is really important. And honestly, the first time anyone has said that in our five or six episodes. So it's great. But yeah, like this whole idea, like that busy is cool or like it's the only way to like, It's like, no,
3: I think it's actually being in tune with yourself. and Right. Yeah. And I think it's just, it's also about like just self-consistency. And I think that's something that like I struggle with myself because you definitely get highs based off of like cool moments, right? But I think it's about not getting too highs on the highs and not getting too lows on the lows. And it's just about like maintaining consistency. And I think that's like probably the biggest part about even just having that fulfillment as well. That's the hardest part uh,
1: yeah I think i I don't know I guess everyone's like perception of our business would be different, but like just the I guess just the sense that there's there's always stress, even when you have something successful, the stress just shifts into a different form, you know, mm-hmm. so like even when like Carla was like taking off like at its highest rate, there was still this constant Fear that I had of understanding, like, hey, I actually have no control over this. Like, with my startup, when I was working on Tree, I was I was constantly, you know, tweaking things for certain outcomes and I knew what I was trying to drive. But, like, the way Carla took off wasn't planned at all. And it was totally out of my control. And, like, that was an interesting different type of fear because when you know that, like, you're actually not in control of it, you also know that, like, you can only do so much to like sustain that like insane rate of growth that was happening, you know? And then, so then the stress turned from how do I get that growth to like, wait, how do I like kind of control this and like make sure it keeps moving in the right direction. And it's like this different type of stress, you know? And I think I many people don't understand that, that like, even when something looks like it's taking off, like, It's still stressful.
4: (laughs) No, if you want to be an entrepreneur, you sign up for the stress and it's how you manage it. That is the magic part, right? And you have to learn as entrepreneurs and as founders how to manage your stress. And it looks very different for different people. We all have our own like inner toolkit for like how we take care of our mental health. But if you don't and you're constantly on this like hamster wheel, like you're not going to turn out well in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. So on that note, we end every podcast with asking just like quick, like one sentence, like, what is your point? Like, what is your why? Not just with Carla, but just like in life, like, is it just to continue like making people happy and touching people's lives and do that? Or is it to enjoy the journey? Like Jessica, you talked about, like, what is your why? What is the point?
1: Yeah, I think for me, it's always been like, if I could do anything to make anyone's life like slightly better. Mm -hmm. happier more peaceful it's just always been that in any form whether i'm like conversing with somebody or like with truly that was the hope like to like remove stress from social media like give people freedom and then i like that's definitely the same with carla it's like totally the wife like for me is knowing that people are getting a good experience but like in the flip side of that is when i know something could have happened when someone's experience wasn't great with us, like, it messes me up. (laughs) Like It does. Like, even, like, getting, like, one customer complain about something, like, will, like, ruin my day. Even if I knew the other, like, 200 customers had a good experience, you know? So, but, yeah, I think that's always been my why.
3: I think bringing out the best in others. I think that when I was converting to Judaism, my rabbi made, like, a really interesting comparison as to like the different ways people view God and like his way of viewing God is like a piece of God is in everybody. And like, he believed that it was his journey on this world to like use his peace within to bring out everybody else's to make them feel as like good as possible. And that like really resonated with me. And so I don't know, I think that that's like where I feel the most fulfilled and kind of when I, you know, having that community touch point with Carla customers and whatnot, I think is has been, for me, the most fulfilling. Wow, great answer, both of you. Well, thank you both so
4: much. We so look forward to witnessing all the journeys ahead and making sure that your why is prominent now and in five years and following the growth of Carla and all your future endeavors. So thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you. For thank having you guys us. for
3: having us.